this is Sports Social with Ed Easton. And you know what? I'm still trying to make that recovery off of just an exciting game one we had between the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, it basically lived up to all the hype. A lot of people are surprised, obviously, at the Warriors lost. But can you really be that surprised? We have two very talented um, teams going at it. Three of the top five best players in the world are on the same court at the same time, and it's not an all-star game. You gotta expect it to be as great as it was. I mean, let's be honest, this was what I expected going into this series. Russell Westbrook started off slow in that game, picked it up in that second half. Uh, yeah, Kevin Durant was pretty consistent. Uh, they were down 13 at halftime. It was 60 to 47 at halftime. Golden State was up. And it just, it surprises you how they were, for the first time, at least that I've been watching them, they struggled. They really struggled when it came to making that transition, making that extra play to, to really finish this game off or even take a more of a stranglehold on the game. Because let's be honest, that first half was all Golden State. They had a bunch of runs. They had an answer to everything. It's just that when that second half, and more importantly, the fourth quarter, that, that dreadful fourth quarter usually for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, they uh, they found a way to really pull everything together and, uh, and, and get it done. Which, if you're head coach Billy Donovan, that's got to be, you know, everything. This was a team that they were heavily criticized in regards to how they handle the fourth quarter and and who's going to finish games? Will it be Durant? Will it be Westbrook? This was the question asked to them, I think, every week. So it's it's got to be a, a great, great feeling. If you're, you know, if you're the team that, that have to deal with that, it's, it's got to be great to just know that, you know what? We struggled all year, but when it matters, and it counts more than ever now, he got the job done. You gotta feel good about him. It's it's just that simple. Uh, I just felt like the team really came out there, gave it their all, and it was a, uh, a definitely a proud moment for everybody involved in the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's had to be the biggest win in their uh, in their franchise, in my opinion. I, I know you can say Dallas, but I just think about. The fact that they are, I think they were 0-12 going into game ones on the road. Or they lost 12 straight. I got to look back on the record, but I know they struggled in these types of situations. And to be able to go in there and do it, and as convincingly as they did it in that second half, uh, you got to go hats off to Billy Donovan and, uh, and Oklahoma City Thunder on that. Now, on the other side, the Golden State Warriors obviously have a lot to uh, bounce back from and a lot to, to really figure out because... There was a uh, there was there were some times when uh, Steph Curry was just forcing things and and you know don't get me wrong here when he makes them we don't think about him forcing these shots but there were a lot of shots that were just out there you know and Steph Curry we're used to it being so effortless so like all right I just throw it up there it's fine you know and that's what we're used to from Steph Curry but apparently this time around you know he had his issues. And, you know, it happens. It happens. Uh, Clay Thompson also, same situation, was hot in the first half. 
disappeared a little bit. Me personally, I want to see more out of Harrison Barnes. Can we get some Harrison Barnes action? Can he do more, like actually make a wide open shot? That seems to be the struggle he's been having. Just make a simple outside shot. But uh, as always, you know, it's, it's gonna be a long series. I see it going maybe six or seven. Game two uh, tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Got game one of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Cleveland versus Toronto should be interesting. Uh, no Valentinus for the uh, for the Raptors for at least the first two games. I mean, Biombo has been unbelievable. I mean, the guy is playing like he's uh, all pro, all you know, all star center. Let's let's be honest. This guy's been great. See what he does going against the uh, Tristan Thompsons of the world, Kevin Loves. I don't know. I, I see Cleveland maybe giving up one game in the series. I just don't see Toronto winning. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be extremely tough for Toronto to have to uh, to jump in there and uh, pick up a big win. But like I said, stranger things have happened. They have. Never going to just think that it's going to be a, uh, a cakewalk for anybody involved. I do think, however... They are going to have to be on the same page. They're going to have to be on the same page in regards to if they're going to be a three-point shooting team, stay that way. Can they help LeBron? I think LeBron looks the most uh, rested, in my opinion, than he's ever looked in the playoffs since the Miami days. He's looked that good. And now if you're the Toronto Raptors, how do you get in his head? That's going to be the bigger story gonna be a fun matchup i still like i said take cleveland in, in latest five maybe most likely a sweep just my opinion on the uh subject also we're gonna be talking boxing a little bit later you know we had that big canelo alvarez fight against amir khan but wasn't really a big fight it was just more of a uh a warm-up I, I i'm gonna call it a warm-up a pay-per-view warm-up for possibly triple g Going to talk to uh, Danny Class A a little bit later. So our Keep It Real Sports correspondent for boxing. See what he thinks about it, as well as this whole McGregor and possible Mayweather super bout or whatever they're calling it. That's really going to be the. Um, that's going to be an interesting uh, situation moving forward if if they actually get that done. Can you imagine the buys on that? The pay-per-view buys would be very, very lucrative if a super fight does take place. Who wouldn't love to see a super fight? I don't know. We'll talk. Like I said, I'll talk to Danny Class today, get his thoughts on it. Also, going to have a, a special guest in studio in the uh, 2 p.m. hour. We have Nick Hunt. He's a professional volleyball player. There's a lot of stuff within the uh, Olympic trials, and uh, he's got to let us know some things. And, you know, obviously volleyball, a lot of people may not understand the full facets of the game. He's going to give us some info on it and what he plans to do. And like I said, the, the word Olympics, is that going to be in his future? Is he trying to play overseas? We're going to get to the bottom of it, you know? So uh, definitely look forward to that. And uh, make sure, because uh, whenever I have a guest in studio, 
we have a little action where we have the video feed that does cut on. So uh, be ready around the 2 p.m. hour. Check it out on soundcast.fm. Once again, at soundcast.fm to see the actual visual footage around 2 p.m. So uh, you get to see uh, Mr. Nick Hunt in his element as uh, we uh, get to talk to him about volleyball and what he hopes to to happen within his career. Definitely, like I said, a lot going on in sports. Besides the NBA playoffs, you got the NHL playoffs. NHL conference finals are underway. Overtime thriller last night between the Penguins and uh, the Lightning. So definitely got to discuss that. But um, just a lot of... Uh, a lot of different things going on. If anything you want to talk about, as always, call me up. 516-900-2278. That's the number. Also, sportssocialpod.com. Once again, that's sportssocialpod.com. Definitely hit me up on that. You just let me know what you want to either, you know, because some people make requests on this show. It's not necessarily a music show, but like I'll play them. Like yesterday, we played a lot of Janet Jackson because of uh, her birthday. So uh, you never know. And um, I'm actually going to play this request that I got via my Twitter. People actually use my Twitter. This is crazy. At Ed Easton Jr. on the Twitter. I got this uh, via the DM. It went down in the DM, but not in that way. Uh, this one I'm going to play uh, for the person who reached out to me. Uh, we'll be right back here listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Is it my goal? Is it your goal? Sometimes I'm pretty good. 
Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Lil, are you somebody? Throwback right there once again. Now, uh, we're talking about Game 1, Western Conference Finals. The uh, it, it was a lot going on in regards to, you know, what was going to be done in, in the matchup with Steph Curry and uh, Russell Westbrook. There's a lot of talk regarding that, as it should be. Now... Russell Westbrook started off slow. Curry was uh, shooting well in the beginning of the game. Westbrook basically took over after a certain time. It's like he just said, okay, you know, you had enough fun stuff. It's my time. He basically did. Uh, the guy's second half was, it was all him. And he, as much as he struggled shooting-wise, he's one of those players that will shoot himself out of a slump just as easily as he, you know, got into those issues. So it's... To see Russell Westbrook, you know, just obviously look very comfortable in that second half had to be something that scared Steve Kerr, the rest of that coaching staff, because he became a different player to guard and match up with. A lot of times they didn't want to have Steph guarding him. You saw a lot of Klay Thompson, a lot of Andre Iguodala for a while. For Steph, that's a tough matchup, especially coming off the uh, the variety of, uh, you know, knee injuries, uh, ankle injuries. Not an easy cover right there from a guy who's as, as fast as they come from, you know, point A to point B. Now, in regards to how how they're going to um, make those adjustments going into game two, that's going to be the big question. How do you make these adjustments? What is the key to getting past, you know, a team like this? They have all the answers when it comes to just, you know, matchups and and everything. And, and obviously the biggest question that people want to talk about is the controversial way it ended. 
Was there a uh, a travel in the final minute by Russell Westbrook? I personally, you know, I don't like to go too deep into that stuff. I don't think that it's uh, it's you know, it's it caused them to lose the game. I mean, it did it didn't help obviously, but I don't think it was the the end all be all. But this is was this was the reaction regarding that whole situation and Russell Westbrook and he travel in the final minute when they were up by three is 105 and 102 with about 21 seconds to go. 22 seconds remaining. They put pressure on. Westbrook out of the backcourt. And a travel is called. Or did he call a timeout? The Warrior bench was furious. They thought Westbrook was over and back or perhaps a travel. So that was the call. They said it's uh, he called a timeout before the actual travel. Uh, it looked like to me a travel, but, you know, they're going to debate it. They're going to go back and forth regarding it. I think it was a uh, it was a blown call. Don't get me wrong. Huge blown call. But I, I just feel like they had opportunities in this game. They just did. This, this wasn't like a, uh, oh, man, if they don't do this, they're in trouble, that type of thing. They, they had they had opportunities throughout this game to come back. I, I just feel like gold, um, the Thunder did a better job of closing it out. That's that's really what it is. They just did a, a much better job at closing the game out. And as much as they want to, you know, try to pinpoint it on that situation, it really didn't come down to that. I, I, they still had their chances. They still had their shots. Got to get the job done. So it's going to be a... Uh, a quick, I think a quick turn. Obviously, it's a quick turnaround, but they're gonna they're gonna review every little thing that happens and just that whole that whole ending was a, a little rough for them. But uh, this is how it went down after the fact. Waiters gets it in. They double up on Westbrook and commit the foul with a superb second half. After having his difficulties in the first half, and Westbrook may have jumped the gun. Let's see. Violation. For sure. Has to wait till it touches the rim. Everyone else can kind of get into the lane and get position. Yeah, Westbrook in too soon. They had not touched the rim first. Violation. Yeah, he was on the run. <laughs> right there. So the other players are eligible once it, it touches Jesus the rim. Hand, right. yeah. Time. The Warriors losing just twice all season long at home. They're 45 and 2, including the playoff. Curry not able to hit from three. It's rescued by Westbrook, and he's fouled. And they come off a very tough series against the San Antonio Spurs, and have come up very tough against the Golden State Warriors. Curry short on a three-point attempt, and that will do it. It is another road victory in the playoffs. For the Oklahoma City Thunder. One oh eight to one oh two. The final score as the Thunder turn it around in the second half. Led by Russell Westbrook with 27 after a poor shooting performance in the first half. He had seven for 21, 11 of 14 from the line, 12 assists. So that was uh, Marv Albert on the call. For, uh, TNT last night and um, you could tell like the execution at the end and even Russell Westbrook got the 
the penalty for jumping in too early with, you know, obviously jumping in too early, trying to go for his own rebound. They still had a shot, uh, just the shots weren't dropping. And it, it's rare for the Golden State Warriors for us to see this now. We've become so spoiled with them making these uh, ridiculous uh, falling off balance jump shots that you, you tend to realize, like, hey, these are not easy shots to make. It was a, uh, a tough way to go out. But, you know, this is a veteran team. They're going to have to bounce back and find a way, just find a way to do something about it. Now, on the Thunder for, you know, just to just to point out what they did, you look at guys like Steven Adams and the way he just handled himself in that situation. The guy had a bloody nose, stayed in there. They talk about his rugby background. He was, in my opinion, just one of the main reasons why they were being able to stay in that game. Him and Enos Cantor, just when they went small, they made sure they stayed with their bigs. And it became tough to get offensive rebounds and, and just clear outs. It, it, it made the Warriors have to play, try and play bigger, which is something a lot of teams haven't done. They usually try to play to what the Warriors are throwing at them. So it was definitely a, uh, a, a great situation, you know, for the Thunder to have to capitalize and uh, build off of. Now, in terms of what they're going to do for Game 2 and – and how they're going to really, like, pick things up. That's something they're going to have to break down, and it's uh, very interesting. This is what uh, Billy Donovan, as well as Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant had to say after last night's huge win. Golden State's a very difficult team to guard. Um, I think as the game wore on, you, know, you kind of can start to feel a little bit more comfortable with the speed and the movement. Um, we, we, we did a better job defensively. And then offensively, you know, he was really in the middle of the floor, Russell. He was able to get to the front of the rim. He made some passes and generated some offense for some other guys. Um, he, he did a lot. He was very, very well balanced in, uh, between his scoring and his passing. They've got I- incredible shot-making ability. You know, I thought some of the shots that, you know, Clay Thompson made tonight was, were, were remarkable. And they were, some of them were closely contested and very well guarded. But, you know, they still went in. That's part of the game when you play against these guys. This is why I think they're obviously a terrific team. So you just don't walk in here to say, oh, everything's going to be okay. You know, you have to have, a, I think, a mindset to understand it. The first thing is to embrace the fact that it's going to be hard. That's, that's the first thing. It's not going to be easy. And it was a struggle tonight. It was. It was a struggle for us. But I thought we had some resiliency and some resolve, and we kind of pushed through. Time of the year where, you know, you're going to get hit, but you got to find a way to get back up. Um, and I think uh, my teammates do a great job of uh, constantly keep trusting in me and, and trusting my abilities to help us win games. And I came back in the second half and tried to find ways to impact the game, um, and it helped us out. When you all won this game, you all just kind of walked off, barely even high-fived each other. I mean, just what was the mood like when you got this win? There was just no real over-celebration. Why was it so matter-of-fact when you walked off? I mean, it was to celebrate, you know. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't win anything. We didn't win the championship. You know, uh, you know, we uh, playing the Western Conference Finals. We playing against a great team. You know, we got a W the first game one, but there's a lot of basketball to be played, so we can't be too excited. You know, it was a good win for us, but you know, we're not gonna be jumping up and down, chest bumping on the court. You know, we got a lot more basketball to play. That was uh, Kevin Durant. Just even you know, putting everything in perspective, there's a lot more basketball to play. Uh, a lot more for them to obviously do. It's. It's still a huge win. It changes everything. Steals home court from the Golden State Warriors, who are so good at home. It puts a lot of pressure on the MVP now. He has to 
he has to deliver in this situation. You got a team that is record-wise in the regular season the greatest of all time. You know, they're going to be tested, and this is a huge test for them moving forward. How are they going to uh, make adjustments and, and just see what they're going to do in terms of handling now a lot of uh, pressure and a lot of people questioning their, uh, you know, their game plans. And now this is Steve Kerr once again having to be challenged as the coach of the year. You saw what he did last year's finals. Can he do the same here? Uh, let's hear what he had to say after last night's, after last night's, uh, I'm not going to call it tragic, but a uh, surprising loss considering how good they are at home at closing games out. The fourth quarter, you scored 14 points. Was it stagnation? Was it too many quick shots? What, what did you think was the main problem? A lot of quick shots. Way too many quick shots, you know. Five minutes left in the game, and we've, you know, we're down four or whatever, and we're, we were acting like we were, we had 20 seconds left. The turnovers um, in the second half were a bigger deal to me. You know, eight turnovers for us, two for them. Um, you know, they're going to get some extra possessions on uh, on the glass, and uh, we can't give them extra possessions with turnovers as well. Steve, before the game, I had asked you about first games, and you said the coach who loses the first game feels desperate. Your word. Do you? Sure. We're down 1-0 at home. So, yeah, we need to play better. So you can use whatever word you want. But we'd like, we'd like to win game two. <laughs> you know, it's a long series. Um, obviously, it's not a good feeling losing, you know, game one, especially at home. And it'll be a different situation for us to, to try to bounce back, uh, you know, at this point in the series, having a deficit, so um, I think it's fun you know, to be able to have this opportunity to come back and and show what we're made of, show our resiliency, and turn this. You know, it's going to be a long series, so we got to be be ready on uh, on Wednesday. Our preparation won't change. I'm sure we'll have a light practice tomorrow, like we always do. We'll watch some film, and you know, we'll get ready to go for Wednesday. You know, it's not like some things happen that. We know couldn't happen. You know, it's, I think our defensive game plan was pretty good, really good. Um, and offensively, we sucked. So that's something that we know what was the cause of it and that we can improve on. But our preparation won't change. We'll prepare just like any other game. And obviously, in, you're down 1-0. You got to play with a little more desperation. But there's a difference between desperation and panicking, and we're not panicking at all. So Draymond Green says there is no panic in this team after losing game one. Uh, you talk about Steph Curry, how confident he sounded. He just talks about, you know, just this gives us a chance to make a comeback. And uh, you know what? That's that's the attitude you need to have after a loss. And this was a, uh, don't get me wrong, this is a huge loss. You're talking about now having to basically change your, your mindset going into the game. That's the that's the biggest story. I mean, you have to now change how you're going to guard this team, how you're going to play them on the perimeter. How how do you avoid a, a collapse like that? And for us, we're so used to the uh, not the Oakland State Thunder, but the Golden State Warriors just handling business. Was Steph Curry able to do everything he wanted to do out there? That's the question they're going to ask. It was too many quick shots. That's what Steve Kerr kept alluding to the whole time. It's, uh, it's going to be a process for them, and uh, this is what they had to say last night 
on Inside the NBA in regards to the Thunder stealing game one. It took over this game. He was awful in the first half, and he just was incredible. He scored 20 straight points, basically, changed the whole momentum of this game. And we talk about it, and I said it before. We talked about it last week when you guys at the Emmy. Russell has to play the way he plays. The only time Russell gets in trouble when he starts thinking too much and trying to be this quote-unquote typical point guard, the guy plays with reckless abandon. Now, it's going to get him trouble at times, but he could play on my team anytime. Any day, but I want to ask you a question. Sure. Let's go in reverse. So, if you're Steve Kerr, what would you say to your team, and what could you say that you're uh, going to do differently I, for game two? Well, I, I know what they're saying in the locker room. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, they're go saying, ahead, bro. They're saying we didn't shoot the ball well, 44%. We didn't shoot from three well, 36%. Steph, you were too loosey-goosey with the ball in the fifth. And they still had a chance to win because Mr. Durant, 0 for 7, hit that one shot that made it go up, one, you know, 105 to 100. They still had chances to win. So they're going to blame this game on themselves. Russell Westbrook had a hell of a second half, but null and void. They're going to say, this is what we got to do. Those shots, we got to hit them. We got to play better, and we'll be fine. Shaq, they're definitely in, not worried. This is going to be a monster series. This was a heck of a game tonight. Uh, Golden State's a terrific team, but I'm telling you, the only thing that, and I've said this, uh, uh, the only thing that scares me is Oklahoma City. Those guys make so many mistakes when the game is on the line. Like, normally when a team's up six points with a minute to go, you're like, oh, this game is over. They never let you relax. But I, I want to give them credit. I give Billy credit. Billy has found something with his lineups. And like I say, I never understand why people go small? It's like uh, it's like a, a boxing match. Like I, you, uh, uh, Golden I'll State. Say what? Golden State is Floyd Mayweather. Uh huh. You can't dance and punch and try to dance and play with Floyd. You try to try to knock the hell out of Floyd. Now he's the greatest on the team, probably. Other than uh, nobody's better than Ali, but. Uh, these guys come out here and try to play small ball with Golden State Warriors, who's probably but the, the best. But think about this, Chuck. Uh, let's go in reverse. If you had Anderson Verajal and Festus Azili on Oklahoma, you would have to go small. I understand, because, I understand Because that. those but, two but, guys, yeah, but, but those they, two, Cantor and Adams, are the only ones who finish yeah, uh, around the uh, rim yes. and actually can defend yes, differently. But, I, but I'm saying. Every team in the league yes, don't have. They, uh, but, a lot of them have but, the Festus Azili's. But, but we're talking the, about Oklahoma Anderson City Verge. right now. Right, right, right. But, I, but I they could do it. They, they but, can do it. But that's my best. They can't. But we're, we're not worried about what happened in the regular season. I told the regular season, I mean, that's what they're I'm saying, like I say, I love giving Dan a hard time. He's a great friend. I hear these guys talking about. Uh, you got to go small against Oklahoma City. I says, why do you have to go small against Oklahoma City? Because listen, let's if be you don't honest. have, if you don't have hold those up, just two hold bigs, on for you one can't. second. Because let me tell you something. I told you before the game. I'm scared of Clay. I'm scared of Steph. Draymond has a heck of a play. He can shoot threes. Harrison Barnes. He hit the first threes of the game. What did he go for the rest of the game? Uh, he, he he like those guys. Even when Clay, excuse me, when when if you actually looked at the game, we all did. Draymond scored. Two, three straight times on tough shots against Cantor. First of all, if he shoot twos, that's how. That's when Clay and Steph don't have the ball. So that was a lot of Charles Barkley from last night's Inside the NBA talking about, you know, what he thought in regards to the whole situation and uh, and just you know, it, it was a lot of um, a lot of the whole like go small, go big. That was the big question they kept throwing out there. 
I think for the most part, he like I said, he, it was a a well done well done job by uh, Billy Donovan in terms of crafting that team and in uh, setting them up for that second half because they came out a, a totally different team with a lot more confidence and they got the job done. What happens in game two, we shall see. I think um, a lot of smart. It's gonna be a lot more emphasis on taking smarter shots for the Golden State Warriors. That's going to be the big thing with them. So we're definitely going to look forward to seeing that. Once again, taking your calls, 516-900-2278. We'll take a break. Yeah. You listen to Sports Social Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
Southcast FM. I know it's not Friday, but it's Tuesday. You know, we want to get people in a Friday mood. Once again, taking your calls, 516-900-2278. The other big news of the day, obviously, is the NBA draft lottery, which will take place. And uh, so many different draft picks out there. I mean, you're talking about the possibilities that, you know, obviously the Philadelphia 76ers always have the best chance. They have a 25% chance of of grabbing the number one pick. You also got the Lakers up there. You have your options. You know, it's it's always a uh, an event, in, you know, to be honest with you. It's never just, oh, we're just doing the NBA draft lottery. It's It seems to be every year there's a controversy. Is it rigged? Is it this? Is it that? You know, it's, it's always fun. And that's, it's really going to be interesting to see who ends up getting that top pick. Like, who is going to be that team that takes that stuff forward? And it's it's always going to be a huge thing. And I, I remember as a Knicks fan, obviously, watching watching it all go down, how depressing it was. Because, of course, you know, the Knicks did not get the, the number one pick. But I'm going to take you back a little bit to, uh, to last year's uh, draft lottery and all the the franchises were getting ready to watch what was going to happen. This to me was just the uh, just a, a classic feel for how it is. And for anybody that's not familiar with how the NBA draft lottery works, you get a number of ping pong balls. You know, whoever has the most, like whoever had the most losses the year before gets those ping pong balls. Certain teams trade their picks away. So, for example, the number one pick that would have gone for the Knicks this year now goes to the Toronto Raptors via trade they did with Andrea Bargnani about two years back. So it's uh, a definitely an interesting process. This is how it all went down last year 
And uh, I know as fellow Knicks fans, they have to listen to us again. It's, it's going to hurt, but this is how Carl Anthony Towns ended up with the Minnesota Timberwolves. 15.6, and also, remember now, the Heat and the Lakers could lose their lottery selections due to prior trades with both picks possibly going to the 76ers. If the 76ers end up with three lottery picks, that would be an NBA record. And right now it's time to be joined by NBA Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum to reveal the final order, the 2015 NBA draft. Mark? Thank you, Mark. Good luck, everyone. The 14th pick goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. In case you missed it, the Thunder have hired Billy Donovan as their new head coach. Pick number 13 will be made by the Phoenix Suns. The Suns average 18.2 fast break points per game, third in the NBA. The 12th pick belongs to the Utah Jazz. The Jazz finished strong after the All-Star break, going 19 and 10. Picking 11th will be the Indiana Pacers. This will be the Pacers' first lottery selection since 2010 when they selected Paul George 10th overall. Things holding to form so far. The 10th pick in the draft will go to the Miami Heat. So the Heat keep their pick. If it had fallen outside the top 10, it would have gone to Philadelphia. Pick number nine will be made by the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets went 27 and 28 with Michael Kidd Gilchrist in the lineup who finished in the top 10 in defensive player of the year voting. The eighth pick goes to the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons had 32 wins this season, the most since the 08-09 season. Things still holding the form. The seventh pick will be made by the Denver Nuggets. This is only the Nuggets' second year in the lottery since 2003 when they selected Carmelo Anthony with the number three pick. Pick number six belongs to the Sacramento Kings. This will be the Kings' last season in Sleep Train Arena with a new building set to open October 2016. Pick number five goes to the Orlando Magic. This will be the Magic's fifth first round pick since 2012. And the fourth pick in the 2015 NBA draft goes to the New York Knicks. Which means that the Los Angeles Lakers have moved into the top three. And then there were three, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, the final three teams still in the running to snatch that number one selection. And you see, obviously, that was the, the reaction from the fans as the Knicks came up short and were stuck. Well, not really stuck because they ended up getting Chris Stapps Porzingis, but ended up getting the number four selection in the draft. Not a uh, fun time to be a Knicks fan. So, you know, that's that's how the cookie crumbled for them. Obviously, they ended up getting Chris Tass Porzingis, like we said, at number four. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But uh, I just love the reaction from the crowd there. Like, oh, my God. Like, the Knicks were expected to pick in the top three. Didn't happen. So it was definitely a, uh interesting time for uh, Knicks fans. Uh, it was a lot of words used that obviously would not be repeated here on the radio. But this was the uh, rest of the draft. From uh, Mark Tatum. This is last year's draft. Just doing a quick reflection for everybody getting ready for tonight's lottery. Tatum, Mark. Thanks again, Mark. The third pick in this year's draft goes to 
the Philadelphia 76ers. The second pick will be made by the Los Angeles Lakers. And that means that the number one pick in the 2015 NBA draft goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hey, uh, obviously, we like you said, the number one pick went to the Timberwolves. And uh, just a, you know, to go back, the number one pick was obviously Carl uh, Anthony Towns. He won the he won the Rookie of the Year. We announced that yesterday. So it's things can happen, you know. Whoever gets that number one pick, Ben Simmons is a guy that people are talking about. It's it's always the luck of the draw with this lottery, and it's fun to watch the people's reactions, who's representing who, and uh, what teams are planning on making moves if they don't get the, the lottery position they want. It's always these things that go on. So it should definitely be fun. Um, I don't think Steve Mills was the luckiest person to put up there if you're a Knicks fan. I still believe that. I still believe that was one of the biggest reasons why they didn't get it. But, hey, you never know. So uh, tonight, that's going to happen right before they tip things off between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors. Once again, it's game one tonight. And then you have, right before that, the NBA draft lottery. So a lot of things will be going on in regards to it. Now, I, I'm looking at just some of the different things in terms of prospects. And, you know, they had the draft combine this past week. Um, I don't really try to pay too much attention to the draft combines when it, because not much has changed from people's projections of who's in the top five. I still think you're going to get Ben Simmons going number one. Uh, you know, I know some people may have their opinions on it, but it's just he's the best player all around available regardless of how well he played in the uh, NCAA well, he didn't make the NCAA tournament, making the conference tournament and a team, you know, struggling the way he did. So I think it's I, I think it's a good chance that he will go number one. I'd be surprised if they didn't try to um if they didn't try to move him around and, and whoever team takes him, like let's assume it's gonna be the Philadelphia seventy sixers because they have the highest chances. Do they let him do whatever he wants. You know, is he going to want to play in Philadelphia? That's always the biggest question going into it. Those ping pong balls change a, a team's destiny just like that. And, you know, just having to figure out what a team wants to do and how they want to handle all the different moves they have, all the different moves that are going to come in. It should be a, a lot of fun. But I was going to actually try to play some reactions to uh, the Knicks getting the fourth pick because there were so many reactions online taped regarding it. I just don't want to feel like it's a lot of cursing, so we're just going to avoid that completely <laughs> and not get into that. But uh, once again, we're taking your phone calls, 516-900-2278. Coming up next, we're going to have Danny Class A on the line. We're going to talk some boxing. Is this Floyd Mayweather thing really going to go down? That's I think that's what a lot of people want to know. And, you know, is Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, a real possibility like 50 it doesn't count as a 50th win if he beats conor mcgregor that's that's always a, a question i should probably ask him that as well um also nick hunt professional volleyball player will be in studio soon so uh get ready for that in the 2 p.m hour once again you're listening to sports social with ed easton here on soundcast fm oh. 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 Oh.
mentally Frontin' ain't saying nothing So I just speak my peace Keep my peace Cubans with the Jesus peace With my peace I'm on the line right now with Danny Class A. He is once again our lead correspondent when it comes to boxing. And uh, Danny, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, taking some time to speak with us. No problem. All right, Danny, now, obviously that Canelo Alvarez fight, we kind of pictured this happening anyway with uh, him and Amir Khan, that it really wasn't going to be much of a, of a fight anyway. So uh, were you surprised by anything, I guess, from this, from this matchup? I was not surprised at all. It played out exactly how I thought it was, I, how I thought it would. I thought he would win the first three rounds, Con would, but then things would start to go south, which is what happened. Uh, I believe Canelo righted the ship at one point, and then he just landed the power 
shot that we all knew was coming and knocked Khan out. Khan is a great fighter. He just can't close because of his chin. And I hate using that word, close. But it's just hard to win a fight when you're getting hit a lot. And uh, that's exactly what happened to Khan. Khan's a great fighter. I think he just needs to fight guys that are a lot smaller, about six pounds smaller. And and stay in and on the... Don't chase waterfalls, and that's what he did. He paid the price, but, I mean, it was the biggest payday probably of his career. Wow, so we're doing TLC references here. This is this is what we've, yeah. we've come to, man. Um, yeah, now that you make those references, it doesn't – people don't necessarily catch on. <laughs> so, yeah. I got you, I got you. So that's uh, that's the situation with Amir Khan, but obviously the, uh, the bigger story, it seemed like, was uh, Triple G being in the audience and uh, actually entering the ring for a moment. And, uh, you know, it still looms out there. I feel like Golden Boy and De La Hoya have been avoiding this uh, this confrontation for a while. Is it definitely going to happen now, Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez, with with any title on the line because they don't know if they want to put a title up? Uh, is this going to happen? I got a number for you. 600,000 pay-per-view buys. That's what Canelo Khan did. I got another number for you. 300,000 pay-per-view buys. That's what Golovkin Lemieux did. There's clearly a big gap between these guys and superstar power. And Golovkin can fight whoever he wants. He's not going to be able to garner the same attention unless he fights Canelo. Canelo can fight guys like Khan and people will buy his pay-per-view. So I don't see why Canelo would need to fight Golovkin knowing that he's naturally the smaller guy and we all know that Golovkin isn't a superstar just yet. So losing to him would be a transference of fan bases. And I don't think it's going to happen for that reason. Canelo could fight anybody. He could fight, um, let's, let's throw in some, some Antonio Margarito. He could fight that guy. And he would get a lot of views. And he doesn't need Canelo, I mean Golovkin. So I don't think it's going to happen for that reason. Um, and uh, Golovkin, actually, he needs to put the ball in, in Canelo's court. He needs to lose the weight. Sometimes in boxing you have to acquiesce to the main person's demands. You have to lose the weight. You have to fight at a catch weight, take 80-20, and that's just how it is. And I don't think Golovkin's ready for that. I don't think he's willing to acquiesce. So that's why I don't think the fight's going to happen. But if Golovkin's ready to give up a lot of demands, and fight at a thinned-out weight, which might hurt them. A lot of guys lose fights because they fight at thinned-out weight. So he, unless that happens, then I don't think it's going to happen. But there's a chance it could if he does what I just suggested. Okay, now, and I definitely hear where you're coming from. Now, here's always been my uh, my problem with this situation, and I was actually watching uh, the other day the, the, fight, the fight game with uh, Jim Lampley. I don't know if you've ever seen that before on HBO. All the time. Yeah, the last episode, he brought this up, and he talked about all the politics behind it and how it's a negative effect on the sport. And you see sports like, uh, obviously, UFC and, you know, the MMA and everything on the rise because the matchups you want to see, nine times out of ten, they happen. Yeah. So uh, what is boxing? Like, is there a way boxing can step in and, and it doesn't become just all promoter-based and, and just try to make these, these matchups happen? Because they, they are very few in, in between, because let's be honest. We got excited for Mayweather and uh, and Pacquiao, 
more than we probably should have. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we don't see these matches, you know, enough. So is there a way boxing itself it, it, to just step in and try to force these things to happen? Well, boxing is not an aggregate. I mean, boxing is not, it's not, it doesn't move together. It's it's like a, it's like a, a, a state where several tribes rule. So you have a bunch of sanctioning committees, and then the boxers have their own power, and then the promoters have their own sway. So it's not like the UFC with a clearly defined power structure. There's nothing that can can really change the game. So what you have is the guys who garner the most gate as far as tickets and the most pay-per-view buys get to call the shots. So there's really nothing boxing can do to because there is no boxing. There is no no Dana White. Um, that's why Mayweather can talk about fighting Conor McGregor because you know you can once you reach a certain level you can do whatever you want. You can make guys um, contenders that aren't contenders. Danny Garcia can fight Paulie Malinacci. Adrian Broner could fight Ashley Theofane. You could do whatever you want. So no, boxing can't really do much. The only the reason why boxing is so entertaining is what happens to get that fight. You never know in boxing. You know, Golovkin might feel the need to just spit in Canelo's face because he doesn't want to fight him, and then that's entertaining. And and, and, and in the UFC, you know, it's very predictable. You know who's going to fight who. You know, this guy's eventually going to fight somebody. And also the one thing the UFC doesn't have is, is guys who have great records. You know, Conor McGregor, what is he, like 30, 30 and like 3? Uh, yeah, like, he's something you know, along those lines. Uh, I even think I even think he's eighteen and three, which is not all that. In boxing, you have guys that are like thirty-two and one, fifty and zero, oh, and that that's why it's more of the classic prime ancient type sport. But yeah, to answer your question, no, there's nothing boxing can do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, no. I'm just saying it's 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 rough in terms of us as like the fans because we are going to get deprived of matchups in their prime. We're getting a lot of you know guys that are basically over the hill, and they say, okay, I guess we'll fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's becoming that, and it's really a shame. I think it is going to hurt the sport even more down the line. Now, yeah. Now, it is the other thing. This I guess goes into what your conversation. Uh, you talk about these other promotions that have been rising, and in my opinion, not really doing much. And I'm going to throw out there, Throne Boxing, they had an event that was uh, streamed again on Tidal and also on BET. What do you feel like is the relevance of of doing Throne Boxing if you're uh, Tidal or Jay-Z, Rock, you know, Rock Sports? Like, what is the point of it? Well, the point of it is to generate income and generate a certain type of acclaim. You know, you, you kind of want to someday get to the point where you got fighters that are getting a lot of money. Um, and I think, you know, people see the Mayweather template, which is really the Al Heyman template, where you go to a new network, which is like Showtime, even though BET is not Showtime, type different pay structure, and you create this forum for fighters to get exposure, and guys want to sign with you. Um, you never know what may happen, as with any business venture. You never know what's the point of it until they're successful, and I think that's what Throne Boxing is. And eventually it probably will will flounder. Or it may be just a a way to have a practice run for getting picked up by a real network. Like, by real network, I mean a network dedicated to sports. 
You never know what deals may happen down the line with all of these, these, you know, working in sports media, these new TV, these new TV stations trying to get into sports. You got CBS Sports, you got NBC Sports, you got Fox Sports, and then you got ESPN, and they're all on cable, and um, they're they're starting their own networks. So that may be ultimately what you want is the TV rights deal because you got to fill all of this time now with the countless multi-platforming that's going on in America with all of these channels trying to fight the streamers like Netflix. And uh, that's that's ultimately the, the, the diagnosis for all of these fledgling sports programs, you know. They want to generate money and get picked up and uh, be able to provide a platform. All right, and once again, we're on the line with Danny Classe. He is the head boxing correspondent for Keeping It Real Sports. Now, the other... You know, big story, I guess, in boxing, if, if it's even boxing, it kind of mixes with MMA a little bit. Uh, Mayweather possibly coming back to fight Conor McGregor in a, in a super bout. I, I, when I first heard about this, I'm thinking it's just a joke. These guys going back and forth at it, you know, on uh, Twitter or whatever social media handle they have. But now yeah. there's actually some legs to this to this thing. Uh, can you Do you have any details and anything you've heard regarding it? Well, all I've heard is what I've read and... The details seem kind of murky, and I ultimately doubt it will happen because of Floyd Mayweather's allegiance to Al Heyman. I, I don't think Al Heyman would very much enjoy for Floyd Mayweather to take his earning power outside of his stable of fighters. He would probably prefer that a guy like Danny Garcia, Adrian Broner, gain, gain some type of momentum off of fighting Mayweather. So that's why I don't think it'll happen. But something I read about it is McGregor would earn ten million, and Mayweather would earn a hundred million. And I honestly don't think Showtime would be that dumb. I don't think the people running that network would ever, ever think that it'd be a good idea to have two guys fight from different disciplines. But ultimately, I think it's just something that you know keeps Mayweather in. And the spotlight gets him the attention you want. He wants kind of like the Ron James when he when he tweets, like when he subtweets, like he gets this attention that you know he claims he doesn't want, but he is getting, so he likes it subconsciously. And I think that's what this Mayweather McGregor thing is. Even though I think it would be entertaining as far as press conferences and stuff, because McGregor is just as good of a talker as Mayweather, and uh, that would be exciting. TV, but I mean, we all know how it would go in the ring. McGregor's not going to land one punch on Floyd Mayweather. So I don't think it's going to happen, but crazier things have happened. And also, we got to attend for the fact that McGregor is signed to UFC. So that that's also big, a big hurdle that they have to overcome in order to make that fight happen. Yeah, that's always something I thought about. I, it, to me, it just sounds like a special promotion that they could possibly done in, like, a WrestleMania environment. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, It sounds like Hulk Hogan versus uh, Rocky, right? That's it, what it, it does. It, it, it 100% does. And it sounds like that sounds like a Vince McMahon uh, production. And uh, I'm surprised yeah. both sides. UFC can make some money off of this, and uh, Mayweather can make some money off of this. I'm surprised they haven't even done that, because Mayweather has done the whole wrestling thing, and Dana White has worked with WWE with, you know, the whole Ronda Rousey thing. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't tried to, to put something together, even if it's just, you know... Just to make money, because nobody's going to get hurt in that situation, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, nobody's, nobody's going to get hurt in that situation, unless it was a real MMA fight, but yeah, nobody is going to 
um, I don't think anybody's going to break a nail on that fight. I think yeah. Mayweather is just going to elude all of these punches, and McGregor's going to su- surely realize that this is a bad idea. Exactly, and then you know, the check comes. and then the Rock comes in with a steel chair. That's all I have. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. all lined up. We understand how this whole thing works. Uh, Danny, yeah. last question, man, before I let you go. Now, like I said, we go through the million different boxing promotions. Al Heyman's, uh, uh, what's it called again? I almost forgot for a second. Uh, his boxing promotion that he has running. It's really not anything. He's just, uh, you know, kind of like the black hand. He doesn't have a. <laughs> He doesn't have a, a promotion. He's more. Here's the thing: is that I guess you could call him the PBC. Yeah. But uh, he's like a, a manager, and he doesn't want to designate himself as a promoter because I guess he gets to have certain um, certain abilities that he wouldn't have if he designated himself as a promoter. Yeah. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because you know we have that situation. I felt like the first time we got the PBC, I, that's basically where I'm alluding to. You know, we had uh, NBC had the rights to it for, I think, a fight or two. And that's when they had Broner on the card. And, and Marv Albert was calling the fight, you know. Yeah. Where did all that steam go? It just seemed like it, it just, you know, disappeared after a while. It went from, this could be a big thing, to, uh, okay, it's done now. And now we're just throwing on whatever network says yes, you know. Like, what well, happened? Was, <laughs> I mean, as with all things, you know, you premiere something and you have to put a lot of promotion behind it. And I think the idea behind the PPC was to operate at a loss, which a lot of businesses do when they first start, let's operate at a loss. And what happened is they can't find anybody who, any any ad buys, they, don't, they can't find any promote, any sponsors. So a lot of it's tequila and commercials about the PPC. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's, not, it's not generating any, any buzz as far, well, any actual... Sponsors, but you know, every time it 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 happens, it's very well talked about on Twitter and all social media platforms. So there is a currency in that, and ultimately, it is a platform where people see you a lot more. Um, so I think uh, I think it's doing its job because you got to remember when when uh, Heyman started this, he got about what like 300 million dollars in backing from his his supporters his financial supporters and i don't think they mind operating out of loss ultimately i think this will end but the gain will be in the exposure that all of these fighters got and down the road that'll manifest itself in pay-per-view buys for guys like adrian boner danny garcia and uh who was the heavyweight that just fought but anyway those types of you talk about Fury or Wilder? Oh, yeah, Deontay Wilder, um, Fury. Well, Fury's not. Fury's a kind of a solo guy, but yeah, Deontay Wilder, who's a Heyman dude. So I think I think that would. That's why they did that. Um, it's very hard to get anything to succeed on TV anymore, you know, unless you're an established sport or a show that you know is like on CBS. You don't get good ratings. So, I mean, I don't know if their idea was we're going to be the Super Bowl, then, 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 yeah, of course it's a failure. But if your idea is, yeah, we're going to get promotion, we're going to get exposure, then I think the PBC has been a success. All right, definitely understand that. Danny Classe, as always, thank you very much for your insight. Uh, we look forward to talking to you more. Hopefully some big fights actually do happen, and we can or go not. deep into it. Or not. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let's be positive, man. 
Believe in yourself, the rest is up to me. Yeah. Don't go chasing water. 
Social Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Once again, now, we're talking about the NHL playoffs and just what's going on in regards to, you know, the the conference finals. You have the Penguins and Lightning. Interesting game last night. Obviously, it ended in a very happy way for the Penguins. Uh, They obviously needed a big goal, and it, it came down to overtime, and it came down to their captain, as always. Mr. Sidney Crosby got the job done, ending a drought that he's been going through in the playoffs. Just take a listen to what happened in the very beginning of overtime. I'm talking about like maybe about a minute into overtime, this happens. Bet on through, and here's Rust. Rust delays to Crosby. Sidney Crosby winning the game right there, tying up the series at a game apiece, heading back now heading to Tampa Bay for game three. Uh, huge, like I said, it was just huge in terms of um, what they needed. It was an overtime. You don't want to go on the road after dropping the first two games at home and having to win a series. It's, it's just not an easy thing to do. And uh, obviously, 
for the uh, Tampa Bay for Tampa Bay Lightning, they have to uh, find a way to just bounce back. You got the captains, you got Callahan, you got different players that have been in this situation before. So it's only going to be uh, it's definitely going to be a, a, an adjustment for them. But uh, this was a this was a little bit of what uh, Sidney Crosby had to say after the big goal during the post game press conference. You guys tipped it in the third period, your line in particular, and was that encouraging at all going into the overtime? And if you did feel like you tipped it, how how did you tip it? Yeah, I think as a team we did. Uh, I thought we had some good chances even the first two periods, but obviously you know it felt like every shift almost we were able to generate something and. Even with that, you know, they still are able to, to counter pretty well and generate a couple of chances themselves. But I thought we just had the right mindset going to the third. You know, we play on our toes. We were aggressive. Um, you know, it's a 2-2 game. And, you know, I think we just had the right mindset. And uh, I think everyone just kind of helped each other create momentum and make it easier on the next line that went out there to, to hopefully get out there against, you know, a tired group or, or get them on their heels a bit. And we were able to, to finally get one there in overtime. So I'll actually take it back 20 minutes before that. How about after the second going into the third? Why did the light come on? Was anything said to uh, spark you guys, wake you up, and give yourselves a better third period there? Um, just, we, you know, I think we thought we could find another level. Um, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't uh, consistently get the chances maybe we wanted to in the first two periods. And with that being said, we didn't give up a ton either. Um, we made a few mistakes, but um, for the most part, it's still a pretty even hockey game. We still felt like we could play better. So... I think that's that's kind of encouraging when you can go to the third knowing that you still have another level and still have a chance. And, uh, you know, we just had the right mindset, like I said. Sid, can you take us through the game-winning goal? Russ said he saw Colin stumble, and then he heard you screaming. And I asked him, I said, when Sid calls your name, you listening and getting the puck right away? And he said, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, a great play by Dumo. Um, you know, he kind of keeps the puck alive along the wall and then makes a pass to Rusty coming I think he was changing, so coming along the blue line there, and uh, I didn't think Rusty saw me, so I, I just tried to to let him know I was there. Um, I didn't know exactly what he was going to do. He, he was pretty low. He had a good chance to maybe shoot it too, but he made a, a perfect pass and you know put it in an area I could get a quick shot away. Uh, Sid, in the last half of the game, it seemed like they played a lot of defense and were looking to counterattack. How hard is it to stay patient as opposed to getting frustrated? Yeah, you have to, and I, and I think that was probably the biggest difference in the third. You know, when you think about, you know, from the first and second, I thought, um, you know, we didn't have that that kind of shift after shift mentality. No matter what happened, we didn't find ways to to kind of keep that keep that pressure. And we did a lot better job in the third, even if you know it was a quick quick play and they were out of their zone. You know, we put it back in. We went to work, and uh, that mentality I think went a long way. But they're dangerous, you know. You you get some constant pressure, then all of a sudden they get an odd man rush. Their D jump in the play, you know. Their wingers get in behind the D, so uh, they have some guys who don't need a lot of time and space to make plays. And you know, you need to be patient, and uh, that's the way we're going to need to play here, you know, from here on in. Sydney, does does Mike say anything when he tries you and Gino together at even strength? And if he doesn't, what's the message you take from that when he puts you two together? Um. No, he doesn't really say anything. I think that when he puts us together, it's usually an offensive zone face-off late in a period after, you know, maybe after a penalty kill where the lines are going to be, you know, um, maybe mixed up anyway. So I think the message is just go create something, you know, go get some momentum. Um, you know, hopefully with putting us together, 
you know, it forces, uh, you know, one of us to get some time and space and hopefully can find each other out there. But uh, it doesn't happen a ton. But when it does, I think, you know, like to answer your question, I think just create something, you know, make a play and try to get some momentum out there. Sid, not that you ever need any extra reason to be excited about a winning goal in the Eastern Conference Final, but overtime and everything else, the fact that you hadn't scored in a while, what was your, what were your emotions when you put that puck in? Yeah, just happy. I mean, whether I scored in the last seven games or hadn't scored in the last whatever, uh, feels good to you know to get rewarded. I think we deserve that one tonight. Um, you know, to be in the playoffs here, it's a great opportunity, and you know to to score and contribute, it feels good. But it's one game, and whether you win five one or three two in overtime, it's it's one win. So um, you got to keep that in mind. But it's it's definitely exciting. And like I said, when you know how hard we worked, especially we pushed there in the third um, to get it. It feels nice to get rewarded for it. Sid, you had a, a lot of chances in the game even before scoring that one. Were you <clears throat> able to avoid getting frustrated just with, with all the opportunities you've had and not, not coming up big yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't happy, but I think that, uh, you know, the big thing was there were some really good chances there. I mean, the backhands, you know, half the net, you made a great save. Um, one hits the knob. I thought I had a pretty good shot off there. So I think that, you know, with chances like that, you're encouraged that you're getting them. And the whole third period, I thought, you know, every line generated a lot. So I think that gives you a, a good mindset that when you're getting those chances that eventually something's going to go in and you just got to trust that it will. And it, it did. So it, it feels good. But, yeah, it definitely tests your, your patience sometimes. And you just got to focus on, you know, going back out there and trying to create Sid, you, you just kind of mentioned it, but that, that backhand chance, did you think that was going to be a goal off your stick or, or when you let it go? Yeah, I mean, I got pretty good wood on it. I thought it was a pretty decent shot. So, um, you know, the goalie had to kind of respect Gino on that, on that left side. So I thought I had a lot of net. And uh, I just probably put it a little bit too far back into him. And he's a big guy. He covered a lot of net and was pretty quick in getting over. But... When it came off my stick, I thought uh, I had a pretty good chance of scoring there for sure. So a big win right there for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins to tie the series up. Uh, tonight, there's actually uh, another game. I'm going to pull it up. It will be St. Louis versus San Jose game two. Obviously, St. Louis uh, taking game one. In a uh, close nail-biter, it was a one-goal win. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, see if Thornton and the uh, rest of the San Jose Sharks can uh, make a comeback and uh, really try to tie this game up heading now to San Jose in game three so there's going to be uh like I said each matchup is going to be day every day is going to be a game for the NHL playoffs you're going to have game three of that Pittsburgh Tampa Bay series will be tomorrow and you look at just some of the things that are going on in regards to uh like goals uh Joe Pavelski for uh San Jose has nine goals he's leading uh everybody in NHL and you got Logan Couture with uh, 17 points total. Brent Burns has 12 assists, all for the San Jose Sharks. So San Jose has had a great postseason. They want to make sure that they uh, have some momentum going into game three. Nobody wants to be behind 2-0 in a series. Now, looking forward to to the uh, rest of the games. Every game is going to be 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock on NBC Sports Network. So uh, check your local listings for that. And uh, once again, if you have any questions, give me a call, 516-900-2278. Once again, that's 516-900-2278. Uh, we will be awaiting Nick Hunt, who should be here any minute now. So uh, 
Stay tuned, you're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. You know what? I like the play. No dickity, no doubt. Play on, play at. Play on, play at. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, fade to Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, a dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers. Shutting it down, good luck. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much grounds, got game by the town. Getting paid is a forte. Each and every day, true play away. I can't get her out of my mind. Wow. I think about the girl all the time. Wow, wow. East side to the west side, pushing fat rides, it's no surprise. She got tricks in the stash, stacking up the cash fast when it comes to the gas. By no means average, it's on when she's got to have it. Baby, you're a perfect 10, I wanna get in, can I get down? So I think I like the way you work, kid. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work, kid. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up, girl. I like the way you work, kid. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work, kid. No diggity. I got to bag it up. She's got class and style. She knowledge by the time. Baby, never act wild. Very low key on the profile. Feelings is a no Let me tell you how it goes Curves the word Spins the verb Lovers it curves So freak what you heard Rolling with the fatness You don't even know what the half is You got to pay to play Just for shorty bang bang to look your way I like the way you work it Trump tight all day every day you're blowing my mind, maybe in time Baby, I can get you in my ride I like the way you work, kid yeah. No diggity I got to bag it up, bag it up. I like the way you work, kid No diggity I got to bag it up oh, I like the way you work, kid No diggity I got to bag it up, bag it up babe. I like the way you work, kid No diggity I got to bag it up First class from New York City to Black Street. What you know about me? Now don't pick up for thing. Cartier wooded frame sported by my shorty. As for me, icy gleaming pinky diamond ring. We bees to buy this click up on this scene. Ain't you getting bored with these fake bay boards? How shows improves, no doubt. I've been thinking 
so please excuse if I come across rude, that's just me, and that's how a player's got to be, stay kicking game with a capital G, ask the people's on my block, I'm as real as can be, word is born, faking moves never been my thing, so Teddy, pass the word to your skin Chauncey, I'll be sending the call, let's say around 3.30, Queen Pen and Black One more time from the top and let's
right, we are back, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And our guest has finally arrived. I know it's that rough Brooklyn traffic that happens, you know, seems to happen around this time all the time. Uh, we have Mr. Nick Hunt here in the studio. Nick, how's it going, man? Hey, hey, how's it going? I'm hanging out, man. Doing good. Doing good? Yeah, man, yeah. Good, good, good. Okay, so obviously you're a volleyball player. Yeah. Now, can you let people know, because you're, you're a professional volleyball player, Explain to them what that exactly means, because um, some people, you know, they played volleyball, like, growing up. They played, like, in high school. Just tell me the life of a professional volleyball player. All right. Well, I play for Ariva, obviously. Uh, it's a semi-pro league. Uh, something new that they're starting in the United States, kind of breaking up the country into different divisions, and each division is kind of pulling the best volleyball players out of it and then competing. Actually, in nine days down in Orlando, big national tournament that happens every year. Um, basically, I'm trying to use uh, Arriva as a springboard to go play overseas. Um, a couple countries are looking into me, like Finland and Sweden and Puerto Rico, which is kind of where I want to go. Um, so, yeah, basically it there. Um, the life of a pro athlete is a lot of training and repetition and criticism at times, but, I mean, as long as you keep training and go piece by piece, get it down pat, then it becomes a lot easier and fun. Okay, that's good. That's good. So can you tell us, like, uh, just what got you to, like, really get into volleyball? What made that, like, your love? Because obviously <laughs> if you're a professional, you got to love what you do. So what made that what, – what made it happen for you? Actually, uh, kind of an interesting story. Um, okay, so I went to Uniondale High School, um, and one of the rules of the high school is – at least one semester, you have to take swimming. You know, they kind of want people to be able to swim at some point or at least have some basic knowledge. Um, and so I swam in high school, actually. I was going to go to college for it, but, you know, volleyball kind of came in. Just took over. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they have a male instructor and a female instructor, a swimming instructor. And the female instructor was actually the boys' high school volleyball coach. Um, and she was like... 28 years old at the time and just uh, all right looking. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so I, I got to the pool deck one morning and she was there, you know, standing in a bathing suit, or whatever. And she was looking at me. Wow, you're really tall. You really should try playing volleyball. And you know, 16 year old. You know, I was just like yeah, anything, anything you want, you know. And um, that was my junior year. Uh, I tried out, made the team. Um, she was actually the one that got Sacred Heart University to look at me my senior year, and. That's kind of where I fell in love. Once I went to college and saw, like, the level of athleticism and all that, I was like, this is something I wanted to do for a long time. See, I, I see how that goes. So a beautiful woman, you know, <laughs> influenced your decision yeah. into making, okay, that's, that's that's fair. That's how I got got. <laughs> <laughs> there are good things that, that come from that. So now what is your some, some of the experience you've had, you know, um, obviously just coming up, like, that you felt like, made you maybe doubt a little bit like okay should I do volleyball professionally like was there anything that like any barriers that you had to overcome um it's I'm kind of hitting some of those barriers now you know um the hard part of I guess doing anything is when you don't have any experience you know um and right now to a lot of these pro teams I'm just I'm just that like a really uh, inexperienced new uh, candidate that they're they have to risk their money on in order for me to get picked and so that that's sort of sort of that like 
you try, try, try again and don't get picked. You gotta keep trying, you know? Um, like tenacity and determination, all that magic mm-hmm. stuff. Just not quitting, you know? And that's kind of where I am now. Every time I hear back from a coach who says, uh, unfortunately, you know, you know, you went with somebody else who has more experience, you kind of just have to look at yourself, go back to the court, go back to the gym and kind of, you know, keep bettering yourself. So when someone does pick you, they say they made the right choice. Okay, okay. So um, just give us a little background in terms of, like, you know, growing up, like, you know, where you're from, just to let people know exactly, like, okay, you could be from anywhere. It's not like volleyball. Cause I, and, I, and this is, I don't know if you get this, like, they always bring race into it. Yeah. They were saying mostly, like, you know, uh, Caucasians and, you know, different races, not many, like, African-Americans, and I'm, I'm assuming African-American, mm-hmm. you know, play volleyball. Was that something else that, you know, you thought about as you were doing it? Yeah, um, at the beginning, um, it was like I didn't really want to stick with it because, like you said, not many African-American males especially play volleyball. Um, but now that I'm, you know, so far in the game, it's sort of like a good, a pleasant reminder, you know, like, like for example, 10 years ago, not many people knew about swimming until Michael Phelps kind of came in and changed the game. Now mm-hmm. everyone really swims, you know, from the younger age up, so kind of hoping to do that to some degree you know you know not not every african-american african-american male needs to do either basketball or football right there are other sports where you know you could show your athleticism and be great in. and so when i play now i sort of think of that in the back of my mind you know this is a extra outlet for african-american men you know? i like that that's that's the right mentality to have in this situation now I, i'm gonna be honest with you you walked in and, you know, I'm, I'm not a tall guy, right? I'm a short guy. So, you know, I'm looking up to you right away. Yeah. You know, you play, you play basketball, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I mean, obviously people are going to bring that up again. You know, is that something you still may have in the back of your mind, like basketball as well? I mean, basketball is fun. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, I actually played last week for the first time in like a year. And, mm. man, I was out for days. I was sore <laughs> and party parts. I didn't even realize. Um but um, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, I even I think about sometimes. Like, I wonder where I would be if I did play basketball in college instead of volleyball. Um, but I don't know. I, I just fell in love with the sport really, really deeply. And I really can't imagine myself doing anything else. I don't know. I love it. It's a different different mentality you have to have when you play. You know, it's like it's it's a team sport that like no other. I mean, like. Like LeBron James could take the ball and drive it by himself and right. score something, and that's cool. But like with volleyball, at least like three people have to touch it every time. You know, I need the setter's help so I can hit it. I need the passer to pass the ball so the setter can set it. You know, it's like it's a real unity sport. And that's the reason like I kind of mm-hmm. kind of fell for it. And you have a specific position? Oh Is yeah, there? I'm a, yeah. I'm a right side and opposite. Okay, right side opposite. So because some people, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to paint a picture for everybody and we're going to show you highlights in a little bit okay so cool. people right. can see it you know because yeah. you're a real deal man i saw it and i was <laughs> like all right you know I, I wish i could do it too but can't so you said you played a uh, right side now what is your responsibility more for that position um the right side's main position is to be like kind of the offensive threat you know what i mean um if you look at uh, statistics on hitters um the right sides are the ones that usually get set the most and have the most kills so basically, my job is to hit and serve as hard as I can and block um, as many times as I can. 
can play defense. Rarely. Oh, rarely. If I, get a luck, <laughs> if I get a lucky touch here or there, you know. Okay. That's, but, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Okay, that's definitely good. Um, once again, we're here with Nick Hunt, a professional volleyball player. We're going to talk more about, like, the Olympics. Is that mm. something that, you know, you oh, yeah. have in your mind right yes, now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We definitely want to get into that in a second. So what I'll do is take a uh, quick break. And I want to watch your highlights. You're actually going to watch it too because we got the we got the monitor showing that. So love watching myself. Oh, see, that's what, <laughs> that's the attitude you got to have. We'll be right back to Sports Social at Easton.
and we're back. Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. So for everybody that's viewing us on Soundcast.fm, you saw the video and saw the montage from Mr. Nick Hunt here, my guest. So um, who helped you put that video together? Like, is that, is that all you? Or? Man, let me tell you something. I'm a caveman with technology. Like, horrible, horrible <laughs> idea. And that was all me. All, all me. you? Yes. It was a yes, good job. Sir. Oh, thank you. Very good job, man. Right. I was, hey, you know, I was about to say, you got a professional working with you and you did it yourself. That's... Nah. That was literally all me. Good stuff. Blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> so, so tell us now. Obviously, everybody's excited. The Olympics this summer. Mm. You have Olympic plans of your own. Oh, absolutely. So you get, uh, let, let everybody know a little bit about that. Um, I'm trying to play uh, two years professional. Um, like I said before, either Sweden or Puerto Rico, somewhere to start. Get my volleyball resume out there a little bit. Right. And then um, after two years, I want to go fly out to California tryout for that USA national team. Um, to my knowledge, there aren't or there had never been any African American males who made that team. Mm. And so I'd definitely love to be the first one. Um, train with those two guys those guys for two more years and then in twenty twenty, look out man. They'll be out there. Oh you right there. Yeah. I like that. That's mm -hmm. definitely the right um mentality to come in now. Going through the training process you have to do a little bit extra just to get ready for it. Absolutely. Is there something that you know you're gonna have to give up a little bit more of? Is there like I don't know if you you don't look like you eat fast food or anything like that. You, you seem like you know. Let me tell you, I eat fast food all the time. All the time. All, okay. I, I eat like that's that's the trade off. When you work out a lot, your appetite and metabolism go crazy. Um, but that's the thing that is the most difficult. That I think that most people don't realize. Like working out, honestly, is is fun. If you go with somebody else, it's fun. Right. But once you're at home and 10 o'clock, and then Wendy's commercial comes on, and you're like, <laughs> just shouldn't do it. That's that's the hard part. Um, so it's kind of giving up the fast food will be, you know, the, the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Definitely, definitely respect you on that, because I'm, I'm still trying. You yeah. know, I have my days. That's why I'm trying with the water. Um, you know, <laughs> so Olympics, you know, that's the big goal in mind. Are you going to watch a little bit of, like, Rio? Or? Oh, I'm trying to watch every every single game I can. Okay. Yeah. Every single game. Do you have a guy like that you you know look up to in volleyball? Yeah, um, his name is Matt Anderson. Uh, he's one of the actually I think he's the, currently the greatest volleyball player in the world right now. Mm. Um, he is six ten um, and plays my position. Okay. Um, so like kind of like a give and take there because I see him and I respect him. He's my idol for sure, but at the same time I look at him coming for you yeah you gotta what do they say you gotta ai him for your survival that's oh, the yeah. whole see? thing yeah, yeah i'm yeah. pulling out drake, drake, drake. lyrics you know? <laughs> see but um yeah for sure he actually he played in south korea he played all over the world um and i definitely would love to one day like meet him and say hey nice to meet you i'm nick hunt and i taking your position so sorry you're gonna say it all nice and everything like yeah, i'm I, taking your position i hope you don't feel bad about it kill like, him with kindness that's how it goes that's, that's how it goes take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right, so um, obviously with the Rio Olympics, you know that's that's going to be going down. And uh, you said you obviously watch other sports and mm. you you've played other sports. Are you watching any of the NBA playoffs right now? Oh, absolutely! I was going nuts last night. I like I yeah. fell asleep and woke up near the end, uh -huh. and I'm watching OKC, and I'm like, oh baby, like I I like <laughs> I like was because I thought the Warriors would take it in in five. And so right. OKC got the first one. I'm like, okay. There we go. Mm. Put the, the Russell Westbrook man taking care of business. Oh yeah, the guy is. Uh, you know, obviously, everybody's gonna say he's the fastest player on the court. Some people say John Wall. You know, oh, different yeah, options out that. there. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. heard that too, right? Yeah. So, 
what do you think? They're up one nothing in a series. You think the Thunder have a chance? Can they? Uh... If I, I think they got it. I think I honestly, I'll be the first one to say it. I think OKC is going to take it. I think it's going to be OKC Cleveland in the final. I'm All right, we got right this, we got this on tape, man. I, so I'm you got to make sure. Like, I'm just saying, like no one, no one uh, attack me in the streets if you are a Warriors <laughs> fan, but like I think that it's just time. I think that they got that energy, you know what I mean, and they right. ride it, like they ride it. That's that's definitely a good thing. Um, is there anything like any last thoughts that you want to leave anybody with? Uh, for everybody that's getting to know you for the first time or just the understanding of the game of volleyball in, a, in more of a professional setting? Man, uh, volleyball in a professional setting or even any any athletic endeavor anybody's going through, man, keep hacking at it. Well, you got to envision it. Uh, for example, this national tournament I'm going to next week, Okay. Uh, the team that won last year has the, uh, a player called Lloyd Ball on it. He's a, he was a setter for the USA national team, and now he plays in the national tournament and wins every year. Nice. And for the last, like, six, seven months, all I've been doing when I'm in the gym or I'm serving by myself is just imagining his face. You know what I mean? So those days we were sitting on the couch, just remember that your competition may not be sitting on the couch. You know? Keep hacking at it. Keep training because you'll get – you may not feel it, but you're getting better and better every day. So that's what it is, constant progression, piece by piece, every day. Definitely respect that. Nick Hunt, everybody – Professional volleyball player, and honestly, it's changing the way you look at volleyball players mm-hmm. moving forward, man. Thank you for stopping by the show. Much yeah. appreciated. No problem, no problem. That's for me, 2020. want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow, as always, from 1 to 3 p.m. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Everybody, have a good one.